Okay, welcome to the Leadership Lessons Show. Welcome, Brad. Mate, thanks How for having Bradley me. Bradley Smith. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Caleb Nichols, if you uh, don't know me. So we're going to look at a few things today. Flexibility requirements of the modern leader. We're going to look at uh, Mark Dobbo, the man behind uh, talent. That's him. Brad did a little uh, interview with him. Uh, and about slowing down in leadership and a few tips about how to not rush, which may say, seem a bit weird on a leadership show because leadership often is, yeah. you know, equates to rushing, but it doesn't need to be that way. So We'll, we'll race to that one. Exactly. <laughs> so how have you been, mate? What have you been up to? I heard you were away. Yeah, been real good. So um, been a pretty busy time, actually, with all that's happening with, um, I feel like just the, the whole comeback of 2022 is, mm. is catching momentum for us. So. Comeback year, isn't um, it? But yeah, been away. Last week had an awesome event, which I wanted to tell you guys about. Went to the innovation venture and capital event. So mm-hmm. with work, we're raising capital for our business. But that was interesting because we're you know out there talking, sharing the dream, and I love that part of mm. my job. Mm. Um, but also, I listen to a lot of other like visionaries and leaders and mm. founders share how they're going to innovate and disrupt different parts of the mm. marketplace. And man, I learned a lot. It was what was your, do you awesome. have a favorite one that you heard? Well, there was three days. So day one was Web3. So mm. crypto, Bitcoin, blockchain, mm. NFTs. Mm. You, you, you're up with that, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> No, so which no, is not, really not across it deeply, but uh, yeah, I met, I met a general a, understanding. Met quite a few twenty-one-year-old uh, uh, yeah. wealth advisors, yeah. <laughs> which like good, good on them, man. They're smashing it. That's interesting. Very, very young and new. Day two was uh, biotech. Yeah. Wow, like man, mind blown. Mm. And then day three was more normal growth businesses okay. and, and funding stuff. So That's really good. interesting. So, so what did you do in your? eight-minute pitch to try and get some cuts through among all of that? Like, well, firstly, we're a mature business. Um, and I just always think share vision. So I shared mm. the, my vision, our unique view of the future of our industry. Right. Um, and, yeah, hit a few, like, buzzwords and, uh, mm. you know, really trying to... I had eight minutes. So yeah, you're trying to, like, nothing. package up the, 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 the buzz around that and how we believe we're perfectly primed to disrupt. And mm. Um, mm. we're trying to offer maturity and that's as a leader like i want to offer stability mm. but at the same time you listen to these 21 year old web3 guys who are just sending everything to the moon <laughs> we've got to compete with that that's so crazy. want to offer huge upside too which i think that's a, a job of a leader is to balance your stability with your ability to Definitely. scale whatever Definitely. you're doing well i think it, yeah you're spot on i think a good leader people look for in a leader stability they want to know you've got character mm. Yeah. You, you've got staying power, you've yeah. got runs on the board, it's really critical. But then on the other side, yeah. there needs to be colour, yeah. variety, where we're going, innovation, you know, the willingness to, yeah. to try new things. It's, it, it's a great point. It's, a, it's, a, it's interesting balance. Because so, if it's too stable, it's boring. Yeah. And if it's too, like, visionary, it's it's destabilizing and it's insecure and you can't really follow that. So I think it's a good lesson for anyone who's in leadership. We've got to share vision. Like, mm. we're, we're dealers of the currency of vision, really. Yeah, definitely. And so the biggest question I got was, like, I'm 15 years into my business. Why now? Mm. And, and I'm standing next to kids who are startup guys with huge upside 
and they've got no problems to talk about. <laughs> I've got to talk about real customers, real products, real history. And, and, were you, and, and were you like, when I was your age, I was Australia's Young Entrepreneur of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> do you, how often do you pull that card out? Like, yeah, by the way. <laughs> oh, I, I try and let the marketing guys deal with that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd be using that everywhere. All right. The other thing I wanted to uh, talk about. Oh, I want to talk about myself, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to hear Because I was away this. as well. You were. You went north. I went south. Man, I think I did the win there. I defrosted for a few yeah. days. <laughs> I went to oh, Hobart. I went to Hobart, right? Yeah. It was not as cold as Melbourne. Yeah. Like we were sweating everywhere we went oh, because wow. we had like jackets on, thinking like it's going to be freezing. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I went down for my fortieth. Um, so I took a bunch Happy of birthday. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm not quite there yet. It was a little bit, it was a bit early. <laughs> I, but... I was like, "Is your birthday?" Because I definitely thought I forgot. Yeah. I don't know when it is anyway. It's in November fifteenth. Okay, buy me a big gift. Um, <laughs> No, it was really good though. Went with some mates, no wives, no kids, which like people are shocked at. Like, your wife's not going? It's like, no. <laughs> it was great. We'd watch the footy and did a couple of whiskey tours and it was really good. But just coming home, just reflecting on like one, I feel very privileged. A lot of people don't have many friends or, you know, lots of people have acquaintances. Not many yeah. people have deep friendships. Yeah. And I got heaps of guys, not only guys that went, but lots of other guys, you know, where there's deep you know, intimacy is a weird word when you talk about guy to guy, but like in the sense of like, you can talk about life and journey yeah. together and um, it's just so important. And then doing things like that, getting away, although there's a lot of preparation required, um, is, is really powerful just to build deep friendships. And, you know, just it just hit me obviously on the weekend just how important that is. But yeah, you got to make the time, make the effort, do the preparation if you want to have the deep yeah. friendships kind of thing, so... That's no, awesome. Man, I'm a bit jealous. It sounds so good. <laughs> um, yeah. Any dirt biking? No, no dirt okay. biking. I'll keep that on the table next time. Next time. 41st, mate. <laughs> you can lead the 41st <laughs> celebrations. Uh, uh, so this next one I wanted to talk about, next mm -hmm. little segment, uh, is called flexibility. Uh, the flexibility requirements mm -hmm. of the modern leader. And I uh, don't want to get overly political here, but the manly sea eagles debacle or controversy uh, over the uh, Pride jersey yeah. last weekend, I thought was really, really interesting. Mm. Now, let, let's put the LGBT stuff to the side for a second, but I just thought Des Hasler, the, the coach of the Sea Eagles, yeah. was just epitomised the modern leader. So this is a guy who's just, all he knows is rugby. Mm. He's played rugby as a kid, he's been a professional rugby player, <laughs> now he's a coach of rugby, like that's all he knows, throw a ball, be a massive dude train massive dudes <laughs> to like win games like but the modern leader like then all of a sudden he's dealing with a pride jersey and he's dealing with lgbt politics and then media just going crazy for this story and then these um polynesian christian seven guys who, who didn't want to wear the jersey and yeah. And, and just managing that whole thing i thought really epitomized the modern leader just you have to be nimble you have to be gentle and hard you have to be strategic, but also stable, like we were saying before. Uh, you've got to kind of be able to do it all. You've got to be politically yeah. uh, on the cutting edge and understanding like culture, but then you have to be deeply respectful yeah. of everyone's beliefs and kind of try and understand where everyone's coming from, to so be empathetic at the same time. You've got to have IQ and EQ, so be really smart, but also be really personable and relational and, yeah, 
It's interesting. And also you're playing this out in the arena of the media. Who they yeah. all they really care for is eyeballs. Yeah. But they get yeah. paid Stories. to have our attention. Yeah, exactly. And, and they create the attention often through the through all the um the, the drama. Well it, it's kind of, it reminds me of the Kyle Chambers stuff with the Commonwealth mm. Games, you know, the swimmer. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was I think that's what he was trying to say. Because there's some issue I didn't even get what was going on there. But there's something with the swimming over in Commonwealth Games. But he was coming out saying, like, this is the problem with journalism because mm-hmm. he's, like, feeling pressured or bullied or just absurd mm-hmm. stories that aren't true. And But you're right. You know, the, the problem with journalism today is it's obviously driven by money. So they need mm-hmm. stories, the bigger stories, the bigger names, the more eyeballs, the more money. So It's interesting. And it's a loss-loss, really. Like, you think about if it's set out with good intentions, which are, I'll... I don't haven't followed it well enough to have an opinion on that, but mm. let's just say that it's set out for good intentions. I don't think it has, from my view, created inclusion. It's created division amongst mm. teams and media and people, and that's probably not the heart of what it's set out to do. No. Even the people who rejected it, like they're they're not trying to cause trouble. I'm sure their no. heart is no. that they've just got a belief and they want to act like that. But man, it's so interesting because this it's. From a business point of view, we have ESG um, is a is a big topic, especially investors want to talk mm. about. So your environmental, your social, and your corporate gov- governance, mm. and working out how you are creating like your environmental responsibility, your social, mm. your inclusion, your equality responsibility. It's a it's a it's a hot topic, and I think the intention behind it is actually good. Like yeah, I want to sure. create an organisation where anyone can come and flourish and prosper mm. in, in, in their gifts mm. and talents. And, um, but that's kind of what, it's probably what frustrates me about the LGBT kind of movement, if you like, is that I think the intention, like you're saying, is good. No, say, say these seven blokes who didn't want to play, like they're not like, oh, I hate gay people, or I, mm. you know, I think I should be able to tell everyone who to have sex with and not to have sex with. Like, no, I don't think anyone cares about that. Mm. Like, no one's saying, like in our church, I don't care if someone comes in with a certain political persuasion or sexual persuasion or whatever. Mm. Like, they're a person at the end of the day. But then the media and all this stuff, it it just creates this um, division and there's like, there's two sides and there's the good guys and the bad guys. Mm. And and, and I mean, the thing that really frustrates me is this is all playing out in the realm of sport. Yeah. It's like, why are we even talking about this in sport? Like, (laughs) Like, can we not just play sport and watch sport. Like, why does it have to be politicised and media and, like, now we're talking people's sexual orientation and, and promoting that on mm. a shirt. Mm. Like, why don't we just do sport? You it's know, interesting. That's, that's annoying. Like, when I grew up, it was just footy <laughs> and rugby and soccer. Now it's, like, so much more, you know. So And even, like, talking about Des Hasler mm. as a leader, now even as a player, you can't just be good at sport. Like yeah. now your, your, your personal beliefs and your culture and your conscience is all like brought, you mm. want to go play rugby, but this is all brought into like, yeah. you know, into focus and you've got to make a decision about whether you're going to play because some one-off jerseys kind of being, mm. seems like was being thrust upon those guys and they didn't have a lot of knowledge of it. And, Everything can get stolen, though. Like, he, he I'm sure the intention, I'm, I'm going to just give the benefit of the doubt, the intention was good behind it. Like, mm. they, they had a good plan, and they made management decisions that are incredibly poorly handled. Then they spend all this time apologising. It creates more problems than what they set out yeah. to create. And yeah. I'm interested to hear from 
people watching, like in their leadership position, position how, you, how you're navigating getting focused on just delivering the result with the extra stuff that's expected of us. Like we're expected to be such well-rounded leaders these days, which mm. is really difficult. Um, and that's something Definitely. that I think about a lot, especially as someone in small business, that I've got to firstly deliver mm. what I set out to deliver. I've got mm. to footy players, got to kick the goal. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, but I've also got to deal with all this extra stuff. No, well. it's a great point. And I think it's a, it's, it's a problem with modern society because there's just so much required. Yeah. Even if you think from like a compliance, um, red tape, bureaucracy mm. point of view, paperwork you got to do, legalities you've <laughs> got to meet, you got to like, like I'm involved in Christian schooling and like a lot of Christian schools now have to employ a full-time compliance officer mm. who just writes and implements policy. Mm. But that wasn't happening five years ago. But the, the requirements now, the bureaucratic requirements yeah. are just so high. Yeah. And of course, things like child safety and whatever are really important, but like, mm. it just becomes, I think you're spot on, Brad. Like, how do you actually do your core business and do what you're meant mm. to do as a leader when you're just weighed down with paperwork and and then the intention gets stolen off it. Like, yeah. it gets the good intention gets robbed with drama. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's interesting. And then the good leaders often get taken out of positions or or don't want to be in positions of influence. The best, maybe. Yeah. Because the role isn't really, you know, you don't really get to lead. You don't really get to drive forward. You spend so much time doing other things. Yeah, it's interesting. From the media point of view, like I have the view that on an individual basis, like my belief as a leader is that everyone has potential, has ability, and I want them to flourish and they've all have that ability. But I think on a one-to-one -one basis, it's much easier to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking like a media and a macro, like big mm -hmm. statement, it's so hard to create inclusion and everyone come on the ride together because mm. people do have such varying mm. viewpoints and belief systems in this current Aussie well, and everyone's right these days and everyone's like, <laughs> that's what's hard everyone's yeah. entitled and everyone yeah it's a challenge it's interesting uh, anyway that's the that's the the expectation of a leader in yeah. the modern world and for us as well this esg stuff is really important to the corporate world mm. and mm. to to it's expected of us now. Mm, interesting. Mm. So you um, interviewed Mark uh, Dobbo Dobson yeah. uh, earlier, so maybe we can cut to that video now and... Uh, yeah, check Dobbo out, but I'll just give a little frame in. Okay, so great. I pulled, um, I pulled in a huge favour from Dobson. <laughs> so <laughs> normally charged a lot of money for this stuff probably. So, um, uh, But he's known as the man behind the talent. So dealt with a lot of Olympians, high net worth guys, high-performance athletes, that type of thing, mm. and pretty much always on leadership-type breakthrough stuff awesome. or strategy. So I thought it would be a really interesting guy for to share with our audience here. He's helped me a lot. He's got the call from me when things are burning down a few times. And mm. He's been brought into the strategy room a few times mm. to help navigate different leadership issues that I've had and mm. um, helped me a lot. So Love it. let's watch the video. Let's go. Guys, I've got an awesome guest here on the show today. I've got Mark Dobson. We know him as Dobbo. He's been an incredible uh, voice in my leadership journey and helped me a lot with my business. Uh, so welcome to my office too. Um, and welcome Dobbo to the leadership show here. Thank you for joining us, mate. Mate, it's such a pleasure. You know me, I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's talk leadership. I'll be here for, I think about five minutes, but I'll happily chat with you for hours on it. So I have a five-minute segment on this podcast, and I said, Dubbo, I'm calling you. You ready? And you've 
you look a million bucks there on the top half. We'll take take your word on it that you're fully suited up. I am fully suited up. That's because I've come from a corporate just fundamentally talking about leadership right then. Everything from culture to performance of their people to uh, yeah, documentation, KPIs, having the chat. I love it. Yeah, well, um, a big thing uh, like that Dobbo is known for, a famous for being the man behind the talent, and there's a lot of famous names. If you go and look Dobbo up, you'll see many Olympians, many uh, you know high-performing executives that have got Dobbo and Dobbo is really the man behind this talent and he's helped me a ton with my leadership and obviously this shows about leadership so Dobbo a thing that I'm interested in is like a theme like is there a pattern that you've noticed when you get called into you're the guy who gets a call in crisis or you're the guy who gets a call when people are trying to you know up their standards and produce results is there a, a couple of leadership patterns that you've noticed in all different walks of life that you've been involved in? Well, there's certainly some places you always start. And you're right, I do usually get called when there's a crisis first. Nobody calls me on a good day. Um, <laughs> but fundamentally, the question is always like, what's the ultimate vision? What are we trying to move towards? I, I think about leadership uh, like a chocolate cake. There's lots of ingredients in a chocolate cake, but chocolate's the key ingredient. Like if it's not there, it's absent. Then it's not a chocolate, it's just a cake. And with leadership, I find it's the same thing, that the fundamental thing, there has to be some sort of vision that we can move towards. But that's not the first ingredient, actually. The first ingredient is followers. That, that defines you as a leader. If there's no followers, then that's not leadership. It's just a crazy person walking around. So I'm trying to establish what is the ultimate direction because that's going to say where we're going to take our followers to. And then what is the connection to the followers? Is that at its maximum? Is it, is it uh, harmonious? Is it effective? And that's where those other cliches come from, you know, communication, ca uh, charisma, delegation, all these, they're all tools to move followers. You don't need all those tools. Uh, it just depends on what the direction is and who the communities you're leading. Yeah, it's really interesting. So one of the questions that I've kind of had burning is, you know, you you deal with a lot of guys that, you know, we, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention names, but let's just say Olympians, yeah. famous people, that type of thing. Um, what's something for the average person like me, I don't, I don't have that type of platform or really even that type of public pressure, but I got to come to work and I want to lead my life and I want to lead, you know, my position at my workplace. Is there something... Um, like some practicals that you've noticed that we can apply in, in our daily leadership lifestyles? When people are leading themselves, it basically says that they recognise that they have a choice and that their body and their mind is can be the follower. Mm. And that if they don't consciously lead from, say, a spiritual space, a primary you know, agenda, your essence, if you're not leading from there, then your mind and body are going to make different decisions. And the real power for leadership is clarity. Mm. Clarity of what does, what does success look like? So I, I want to have some clarity about what success looks like when I go to work, when I lead a meeting, when I have a conversation with my, my children or my partner or my mum and dad or whoever is key. What does success look like? And then what's really crucial is to be very kind to yourself because when someone's on a journey like this, they tend to be very, very critical of themselves mm -hmm. and not kind, and that's not helpful. 
because most people set a vision first, but they haven't really worked out how things actually work. So they often use a strategy that's not accurate. So if we would have a falling out with our mum and dad and or a partner or kids and there's a bit of tension, that's often resolved in multiple small conversations, sometimes one big one. But if we step into that with the wrong strategy, then we can feel like a failure and then we can come up with an unhealthy conclusion either that it wasn't meant to work itself out or I did poorly when the truth is we're trying to work out how does it work? So whether I'm coaching an athlete, I'm trying to make sure they understand, well, if you want to be an Olympian, do you know what it takes and what the small decisions are every day? So it's about clarity and then it's assessing whether or not your strategy for getting that is actually does it actually work your idea of how to lead a meeting or the idea how to resolve conflict uh your idea for what you've got to eat in your body is it or is it just a cliche that you saw on social media that's such a good one well that one that one uh, that's like a knife in the heart to me i remember uh, uh one of my first uh dubbo projects was i was getting ready for the world titles and i was very ambitious and i wanted to win and uh, had Dobbo around, peak performance coach, let's get ready to go, come and make sure I can win and tell everyone what you said to me, Dobbo. Oh, I said, you're kidding yourself. You've got a diary of a CEO. You don't have a diary of an elite level athlete. And <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Like if I, if you're, if you have, if you're going to have date night once a week, your relationship's probably in a pretty good spot. If it's once every year, it's, you know, it's probably not great. So you can tell what, outcome someone's going to get from their diary and you are the diary of a CEO. You're running a business and your competitors are diaries of elite level. We had to change the diary. That was the strategy. We changed the diary and uh, you, you did pretty well. Then you busted your shoulder and then you said, we got to a point, everybody, where I said, oh, I think you might be able to do this. And you said, I do too. And then you busted your shoulder and you said, I don't think I can do it. I said, no, neither do I at the moment. And then I think about six weeks later, you're like a chance. I think you came fourth or fifth on that that year. So it was still a very impressive turnaround in a short in a short period. So you really helped. I think those little steps are that's a that's one of the things that I take from when I deal with you with leadership stuff is that you always break this big vision down into very little steps. If it's not in the diary, it's not gonna happen. I remember you just saying that all the time to me. And um yeah, I think that's that's a, a good practical for us to take home. Let's do a reflection on bits of our life that we're leading. Um, you've even talked to me about my marriage and my parenting and making sure that my, my diary lines up with building a good you know, married life or a good dad life. And I think that's really good advice. And I would just add on to that. I think this preoccupation we have in the, today with best life, everybody wants to live their best life. I think it's a fool's gold mm. because you can't have hot water without cold water and you can't have happy without sad and you, you can't have love without the frustration that comes with it so you're going to have all these different human experiences so what I tend to aim towards is, is just being on a, a streak so if I want to do really well say at work or in my relationship with my family you'll probably fail at some point it won't go well but look you might go oh did you have 21 really good days there and then the next question is how long did it take me to recover to get back on track so that I could have another 10 good days. So just try to go for a streak. So when things don't go well, it's better just to accept that mm. and then just try to you know, get on a roll again. Um, Man, that's so. awesome. Well, uh, it's so good to outsource my segment here to you. Uh, you've, you've upped the dress standard incredibly. So no, thank you. It's awesome, mate. And always love your insight. And I'll, uh, I'm the guy who calls you when I've got a crisis more than when I call you any other time. So... <laughs> you are you embody that 
but uh, but luckily we enjoy hanging out. This will be the shortest conversation you and I have ever had, I think. So uh, it's been a pleasure. No, sounds good. Thank you, mate. Well, fantastic. That was really interesting. This is obviously, uh, I mean, some pearls of wisdom, some leadership pearls of wisdom there. And that was just, just a six, seven minute conversation. Yeah, it's good. So I think the big thing is that it just reminds me that leadership doesn't matter on your position on the org chart. Like we're all mm. in leadership. And mm. I like what he talked about how leadership requires clarity. And yeah, I, that was really I, good. I, I, I think about that within my team, even guys that probably wouldn't consider themselves in leadership based on the, where they sit on the org chart, mm. have such an opportunity to lead and shift our team from where they sit yeah. if they come with clarity and if yeah. they know what success is for you know what they're doing and yeah. the part they're playing. And that adds huge value to our We mentioned team. about leading yourself. Mm. And I think that's so important and something we're trying to do with, with this leadership lessons and the show and stuff is that it isn't just positional leadership yeah. but it's family leadership it's yeah. personal leadership because yeah. we're all a leader if we get out of bed in the morning yeah. you know we're all a leader at some level some and that's what you're trying to teach your kids so true. is how to lead themselves and run their life and mm. you know and that all, and leadership starts you know at home with yourself yeah before you can lead anyone else if you can't lead yourself to get out of bed and get dressed and be responsible and whatever. And I thought that was really good what he said mm -hmm. and, and how that leadership essentially, so it doesn't matter if you're the Prime Minister of Australia or yeah. if you're just trying to teach your 15 year old how to lead themselves, like it comes from this yeah. essence or spirit or something on the inside mm -hmm. that's gotta be clear and right and focused. Um, yeah, I thought I like that. that was a great point. Yeah, it fires the up a bit, really. I mm, think that's the mm. big thing is we, uh, wherever our position is, we can always have a vision for where we're leading mm. ourselves and bringing people to as yeah. well. So. so you mentioned in there that, that he's really good at breaking down. Sounds like yeah. strategy is a big thing that he yep. works with the talent. Yep. Strategy, but then breaking that down. Yeah, man, that, well, as you saw in the video, <laughs> I had a few uh, steps missing in my vision <laughs> as a young man. Um, but yeah, really good about making, it's actually a quote that I saw in your office. I've said it a few times on here, focuses when calendar and calling meet. Yeah. I'm like, and that's actually pretty much what Dobbo was saying yeah, too. Yeah. And something I've been focused more and more on. And as a leader, I've had to get organized. It's not my strength by yeah. any strength. Yeah. to make sure that my strategy has small steps yeah. and those small steps have a place in my calendar so I can produce my outcomes based on yeah. strategy and structure and then BYO passion. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I think it's a big problem for individuals and for positional leaders is that there's a lot of talk. Yeah. So show, show vision, even strategy, it can be talk, it can be words. Yeah. But the, the calendar piece yeah. is what, what finds you out. Yeah. Like, is it actually there? Like, I, I often say to people, like, you can have a vision or a goal, but, like, does it fit into your week? Because mm. if you can't see it in your seven days, so it's true. not going to happen. You can't just say, by the end of the year, I'll be doing X. Mm. Well, that's great, but does that fit in your week? Like, yeah. does it happen in reality? Because, you know, lots mm. of us love to talk. And some people mm. are really good at talking vision. Yeah. But, um, it's it, and that's where execution so you know, true. is the key. Like, can you execute? And and I think the mm. small steps. It's a great reminder from Dobbo. The small steps, breaking it down, yeah. being patient, doing the process. Mm. You know, hitting so smaller targets, getting small wins mm. on the way to your big win. 
I think for me, a big an example that kind of lands it is like I talked at the start of this show about how I went to an event this week and had to talk about the upside, the vision, share the dream type thing. Mm. But then I've been like today, it's end of month, it's just the second day of the month we're recording here. So I've got my end of month process. I've got to be able to have my huge vision, mm. but then I've got to come back to my office and I've got a project management tool that has my end of month reoccurring tasks that mm. I have to make mm. sure have happened. Mm. Even just simple things like reconciling my accounts, making sure that my reporting is very clear, very structured and done every month. Because in 2025, I want to have a major exit in my business. Mm. And for that to happen, I've got to make sure I'm tight managed clear accurate mm, mm, today mm. on the 2nd of august yeah which isn't like natural that. you yeah. know it's really not natural like, there's everything in us and our lives and our mm. what we're doing kind of pulls against that being so organized true. and being strategic and I think you don't I've wake up that in more. <laughs> that pulls harder on me <laughs> it is it's hard for people it really and, and then there's just natural distractions that are you know the urgent and and and, mm. and and that come across your desk and it's really hard to manage all of that and stay okay. focused and i've done a lot of work on myself in the last year or two on on deep focus so the whole yeah. idea of mm. not just being focused generally but actually having days mm. of deep focus or doing work yeah um in deep focus segments so like three four hour segments where there's only one thing i'm doing yeah. so that i can dive quite deep and yeah. it's actually um, mentally, there's a lot of research behind it because a distraction, um, a simple thing like checking an email or having a look at social media or just watching a YouTube video can actually cost you um, focus. You yeah. know, literally can take you 20 minutes to get back to the level of deep focus you had before. So I've worked a lot on that and I found that yeah, to be really powerful and impact, but it requires a lot of saying no. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really, yeah, that's hard. So true. Yeah, I'm keen to hear from like people watching, do you do block time, deep time? Like how are you getting your focus? And, mm. and is there any hot tips you guys have in there? My ones, I've been using Asana. I just oh, yeah. love the project management tool. Keeps all the all the, the calendar matching my calling. Yeah, that's good. So anyway, That's really good. You got to find, I mean, the digital technology is just so great these days. You can get it yeah. working for you in that way. So true. But you still got to say a lot of no. That's what I find is yeah. the key to focus is really the ability to say no to the things that yeah. that, that aren't going to get you there, mm. you know, within reason, obviously. So That's true. All right, last thing I want to talk about is slowing down. Wow. So gonna, we are clicking gears. <laughs> it's a good contrast, though, because mm. you can easily get caught thinking strategy, execution, mm. calendars, and that can sound like rush, hurry, perform, you know, have a, if you're having a bad day, just be stronger. Mm. If you get beaten down, just be tougher. And mm. there's elements of truth in that for sure. But, but I don't want people to misunderstand. I, I'm not promoting in any way that, that, that achieving goals means you got to kill yourself mm. and you got to rush and you got to, you know, dance the line of, of, mm. of mental stress and burnout and depression and getting divorced because you just give all your time to work, you know? Yeah. I think so that's what I want to talk about next is well how do you execute and strategize and hit goals yeah but slowly it's really good we're slowing down yeah are you going alright that's hurting <laughs> twitching <laughs> but it is counterintuitive because again yeah. like it's not easy like we think rushing mm. means achieving yeah you know we tie busyness to importance yeah that's why you say when you ask people how are you going it's like oh, I'm busy 
Yeah. They're really saying, look, I'm really important. My life's really, you know. I said that at the start of the show. <laughs> but often people are just trying to say, like, I'm really important and my life is super unique and I do things that no one really understand. And I'm, but it's like, yeah, mm. but why? Like, does anyone mm. ever say to you, um, you know, it's been a slow week? Pretty moderate. Everything's yeah, moderate. Like, yeah. It's true. I think for me, when I've, re- you've been doing a series here at church and yeah. stuff, and it's, um, really caused Mads and I to reflect a lot on it. And I think I've spoken on the podcast here. Mads has got a, a poster, she, um, typography, whatever it's mm, called, she mm. did up for me. Uh, it looks awesome. And it says it takes a man of peace and rest to complete his assignment. Wow. And she gave that to me when we first started going. <laughs> I look at it every day. Cause That's often, really good. It's a great statement. I think it's true. I find that when I move into rush and busyness, which I do a lot, mm. that often it's, comes out of the fact that I've got a limiting belief that there's not enough wow. or, you know, or a distrust in mm. God sometimes mm. because I'm That's good. trying to do it in my own strength. Definitely. I've really been trying to balance. Like, I think of it as a racer, like a motocross racer. That guy has to know how to go very fast on the track, mm. but doesn't mean his whole life has to be yeah. a race and out of yeah. order. And I think that's like my work. When I'm on a phone call, I've got to be excellent. Mm. When I'm sitting at my desk, I've got to be excellent. But how do I do it from a place of rest? Mm. And how do I live a life that's slower and not as mm. full? So I've got mm. space. And it reminds me of something I learned at uni because I did initially did exercise science at uni. Mm. So like the hundred meter Olympic gold medalists, yeah. they don't run um, full capacity maximum hundred meter sprints at training every day. Okay. So there's this whole idea that there's that you train at sub maximum levels. Yeah. So you're trying to condition the body and like that's yeah. kind of like your day to day work or whatever yeah. you're doing that we're talking about. And then like you're saying when you're on the phone and you need to perform, yeah. it's actually a different time. Yeah. You don't train or, or for us you don't live at the that mm. maximum level all the time. Because if you imagine a hundred meter sprinter just every day, they're an elite athlete and their yeah. training is just run 50, 100 meters at max. Like yeah. they just, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Because when you perform, they're only running, running one 100 meters. They would just be pulling hamstrings and overloading. And, and I think that's, that's probably a great, just off the top of my head, kind of analogy of, you know, performance and winning gold medals doesn't mean running yeah. at your maximum every day. And I think we've have that, we have that attachment wrong. Mm. Success is busyness, success is rushing. If I'm doing heaps of stuff, then I must be doing something important. Yeah. And I think slowing and leadership is really powerful. I had a friend who was talking about this and he was telling me about um, business coach that he knows. Yeah. And he was saying basically every, every client this business coach has, like powerful CEOs, big money dudes, yeah. you know, top end of town. But basically every coaching session is just trying to get this CEO to slow down. Because if they slow down and they're more healthy and they're at peace, like you were saying, they're actually going to be a better leader. Yeah. And so all their coaching is just about how do you slow down, yeah. how do you rest properly, how do you sleep adequately in order to underpin your, you. You got this job you want to do, but you need sleep, rest, yeah. food, exercise, healthy relationships. Well-rounded. You know. Exactly yeah. right. It's so interesting. Even as you talked about, you, you know, here we talk about Sabbath. That's mm. the, the slowdown that we've been speaking about. It's really interesting how much it stuffs at us to mm. rob that from us. Mm. Like we go home. Have you and, tried that on the Sabbath? Yeah, we've been practicing. I wouldn't say that we do full 
pure, you know, 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to like, you know, for example, have disciplines of the weekend I don't work. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time that happens. Um, you know, when I get home from work, be with my kid and mm. my wife and don't mm. have the phone on and stuff. But there's so much distraction. Mm. My brain is always firing. <laughs> and I've really found it's helped me. I've actually had wait- the discipline of having Sabbath, rest, slowing down, having mm. boundaries has actually forced my creativity and productivity mm. to go through the roof. Really? So wow. I get to work on Monday and it's like I've had the rubber band pulled back. <laughs> I'm, I'm fired example. up and ready yeah. to go, and um, yeah, it's interesting. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. So, there's a book that I read that really helped a lot, which was called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, yeah. and basically the um, the the one point, if you could draw one point out of the book, it's the fact that hurry essentially robs or poisons the spiritual life or the heart or the soul, whatever you want to call it. So hurry, um, the only way to deal with hurry is to ruthlessly eliminate. In a sense, you have to be brutal. Yeah. You've got to make big calls. And if you're hurrying, you're just going to kill your soul. So it actually doesn't, so skill, IQ, business, all of that is really secondary because at the end of the day, if your soul is dead, like what have you got? Yeah. Like you don't want to get out of bed. If you're depressed, if you're you lose all your relationships and your marriage or whatever because you've worked so hard for something. Like, what does it matter if you, you know, forfeit your soul, as we say in Christianity? Yeah. You gain the whole world, but forfeit your soul. Mm-hmm. So, and in the book, he talks about four things, uh, four practices, slowing, like literally slowing down, like even driving slower. Wow. And not like cutting <laughs> corners and things like that. Uh, Sabbath, which you said, which is taking a 24-hour period a week to just stop, yeah. rest, eat good food, Mm. be with your children you know so we do that every week with my family so there's no screens yeah there's no work there's no even work at home like tasks there's no grocery shopping or mowing lawns or anything like that it's really powerful simplicity yeah and that really hits at money really like buying having money and buying stuff Mm. so just living a simple life you know having a few pairs of pants a couple of pairs of jeans not 17 pairs of things and like just decluttering and taking all the complexity out mm. a lot. You don't have to have 49 awesome friends. Like just have a good group of three or four good mates. Like simplifying yeah. is really, I think simplicity is something that, man, I'd like to look into that a lot more. And then the other one is silence and solitude. It's That's kind a of big four one. S's. They're yeah. so counterculture. All of them are counterculture. They are, they are. It's interesting. As I became a Christian, I don't know, like six, seven years ago, I started to go down this journey of finding out the heart of God. One of the scriptures that really affected me was, I can't remember the exact scripture, so look at someone in the comments, will probably can't remember. <laughs> um, but it talked about how we don't need to plow the field to the edges. Mm. And I don't know why, like that, as you just said. It's a weird, like very, agricultural. Uh, yeah. yeah. But just metaphor. really affected me because I realized that in every area of my life, I was plowing to the edge and more. And mm. I think this Sabbath thing really forces you to just have those boundaries mm. and have space and there's enough. Mm. And, yeah. Um, well, another, another Jewish um, principle or command, agricultural one, was that they would, should always harvest yeah. the wheat and, and not pick up anything that falls to the ground. So they would yeah. harvest the wheat and if wheat fell to the ground they weren't to pick it up interesting so yeah, that would okay. allow about 10 percent of the crop to fall to the ground and then the uh the poor or the widow or whatever could come and pick it up wow so it's similar to the you yeah. know just you don't need every bit 
Yeah. You don't have to bend down and pick it all up, and you yeah. don't need to, you know, plow to the edges. Like just leave it for someone else, and someone else can mm. benefit. And if you don't take everything home, you're still going to have enough. Yeah. You know. It's interesting. I think it challenges. For me, it challenges my faith really because mm. it, it it's causing me to stop and say, well, this is my boundary. Yeah. And, and I do have big goals and big plans, and mm. I have to be confident in who God is that a what yeah. I've got's enough and yeah. him and I are enough and um, actually one of the sermons this week really touched me um, Pastor Andrew talked about Job mm. and basically he just said the the purpose of Job a guy who got everything taken from him was got to the end and God was like I made you and that's enough mm. <laughs> and yeah interesting that's crazy 40, like, 42 chapters yeah. and that's the point yeah, and it's so counterculture. <laughs> and I feel like this this kind of Sabbath rest, slow down, causes me to quit, like look at my, my mm. faith in yeah. that way. Well, definitely. And that's what I want to finish on three leadership tips yeah. to slow down and stop rushing. So the first tip is that your life has to be orientated to a value that's higher than yourself and bigger than yourself. And for you and I, that's God. Yeah. But if it's not something bigger than yourself, outside of yourself, something that has meaning beyond you just having uh, pleasure or payoffs or benefits or what you want, then it's really hard to slow down. Because mm. if you're feeding self, mm. you're rushing, you're needing, you're wanting, you're having to get things, grasping at stuff. Mm. Where if, if you're living for something beyond yourself, you're able to be patient, work towards it, take your time, trust. And I think God is the highest thing. So what really orientates me ultimately to slowing down is prayer. Yeah. Because that's where I sit with God and talk to him. Mm. And that really, you know, and prayer is slow. Yeah. You don't go in to get stuff or get miracles or get things answered. You go to love God and listen to his voice and reflect on life and let him speak into your anxieties. And it's slow. So it's interesting. And doesn't the perspective of eternity affect your hurriness? A hundred percent. Well, when you look at God and he looks at you, you're like, man, I don't need to go out and bash that person <laughs> or <laughs> rush for that thing or buy that super expensive thing. I don't need it. Yeah. Because And yeah, your perspective shifts. So the second thing is you have to rebel or resist the cultural norms of hurry. Mm -hmm. I think that's the second tip and importance there. You have to take a deeply rebellious, strong, like resistance fighter type attitude to hurry. Like you gotta hate it. If you don't hate it, yeah. it's very hard to like, you, you don't even see it. Mm. You just live as a normal Aussie. Like if you're just part of the normal flow of being a cultural Western Aussie person, you're just gonna be rushing. Mm. So you've gotta rebel against the flow and be willing to hate that and, and see, I suppose, see the wickedness, the evil, the poison in the hurry and what it's doing to people and you know there's such a thing as hurry sickness you know people go you make it sound much more exciting when you <laughs> it like this yeah well, it's and, true though but you have to but if you don't then well, why would you buck against it mm. just go with it so and the third thing is um and you were touching on this i think i think the third tip is you've got to embrace limitation mm. it's very hard to slow down if you don't understand your own limitations yeah Man, that's counterculture. You're hitting all the. <laughs> we're told we're limitless. Yeah. Well, we are. But is it true? Well, we're and even what we spoke about at the start, we're expected as leaders to be limitless. Yeah, do everything. So yeah. But we are. We we are limited. Mm. 
So I think that that's, yeah, that's a really powerful one just to finish on. You gotta embrace your limitations. And if you're embracing limitation, you have to relinquish things. You have to say no to things. You have to be prepared to let things go and you won't have every experience and you won't eat at every great restaurant and you won't have every possession. And, and, but that allows you to simplify and slow down. But if you're unable to relinquish and detach and embrace that this is who I am, this is the house I live in, this is the wage I have, then yeah, it's very difficult to slow down. So Love it. Well, love to hear from people watching what they think of that. And uh, love to hear how people are implementing this stuff mm. to buck in the trends of our cultural moments. Are there any so. resistors out there? <laughs> <laughs> You've signed me up. No, well, thanks for your time today, mate. And uh, You too. Appreciate great. it. Love chatting. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Talk soon. I trust you were impacted by that Leadership Lessons podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast. Please comment down below and please review the podcast and share it with a friend. Doing this inspires us and helps others to find the podcast. See you next time.